Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Chop. This is a little bit of a different episode than what we've been doing for the past couple for considering we've been doing baseball and softball all summer long for the majority for the lifetime of this podcast. We're now going to dive into a little bit of basketball considering the NBA draft is actually tomorrow when we're recording this. So I have brought on one of our the basketball writers from the FSBU, Chase Nevitt. He is a sophomore going into his junior year now at Florida State. And so we, I brought him on to talk a little bit of basketball, go into what FSU will be sending into the league this year and dive into a little bit more that's going on around the association this summer. Chase, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I uh, Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Uh, got a lot of good information to talk about today and uh all right yeah I, i'm really excited about where these fsu guys are potentially going mm-hmm. and so the two main guys that are going into the draft from fsu right now is Fiondu cabin gelly power forward slash center i would put more as a power forward and then also terrence mann both of which had so- extremely solid seasons they were fsu's two best players Kevin Gelly averaged 13.2 points a game. He came off the bench, which was interesting. He never started a single game in all of 2018-19 season, but played a ton of minutes, even though he came off the bench. Average, I believe, 21.6 off the bench. And then Mann, obviously, only only missed one game off – or only came one game off the bench. And he was just the workhorse that he has been all four years at Florida State – and I just want to get your thoughts on those guys and how they're performing going into this draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Cobbingdale is an interesting one. Uh, you know, he's 20. He's going to be 22 by the time uh, the NBA season starts next year. So that's one of the things that NBA teams have against them, so to speak. Um, you know, he, he took, a, uh, I guess, a gap year and went to Don Bosco in uh, New Jersey when after high school. So he was already, you know, behind then. And then he got to FSU, takes a redshirt year when uh, we had Jonathan Isaac and, you know, Bacon and Malik Beasley. And, and you know, now, now he's sitting to go in the top 25 of the draft. It's been a crazy ride for him. Um, and, you know, he hasn't even had that many, um, too many, opportunities uh you know compared to where his talent is I think I think you know obviously he could definitely have started on this past year's team but um you know Kimaji offered that you know good attempt at a uh tip-off win there even though (laughs) that often didn't work out um but I digress uh you know Kavangeli I really do like him as a uh forward in this draft I think most of the mock drafts and most sites are listing him as a center, but I agree mm-hmm. with you. I think he's more – I think he'd be more on the power forward side. Um, I feel like FSU used him mainly to go up against the um, opposing teams, you know, um, I don't know if I'd say like smaller guy, but I feel like – FSU used him more as a power forward. I definitely could see him being a center as he is 6'10". And he, uh, he's he got uh, Matumbo's blood in his veins. Uh, so, obviously, he could stand tall at the five. But, yeah. Um, Continue. I mean, you look at him. It, what, what are you saying there? 
No, I was saying continue. My bad. Okay. Um, I mean, you look at him. <laughs> he's versatile, in my opinion. Um, he can really shoot it from three. That's one of the things that he really worked o- on over the past summer uh, last year. And you could really see it in his game. You know, you know, on his career, he's shot like almost 38% from three. You know, that's something that in this day and age of basketball, teams are looking at and they, they need to see in a big man. You know, uh, they don't want to see, you know, someone like Jalil Okafor, uh, you know, barely making long twos. The NBA is changing, as is college basketball. And Kevin Gelly fits right into that mold, I would say. And, um, you know, I feel like we also didn't see what Kevin Gelly's full potential is when it comes to defense at FSU. Um, I think he's a, a guy that you can fit on the four and five, and he's going to do really well. He's got that body, that big size. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll be an advantage in the NBA now that he's playing against, you know, the best of the best athlete-wise. Um, but certainly in college, I feel like he wasn't fully um, utilizing the post uh, in a sense, you know, mainly because that's just because of uh, Hamilton's you know, the way he likes to run his offense. And it still worked, uh, obviously. Um, but um, if you have anything Kevin, to say. Well, yeah, I was about to jump in there. Kevin, Gale, I like what he's done in, throughout his college career. I think he's got that potential to, like you said, make an impact on in the NBA. And one of my one concerns I'd say with him is it's kind of his – his footwork, and that's a problem with a lot of centers or big men, I guess you could say, is that how can they develop their footwork and get better in that regard? Because when they get to the NBA, they're going to be stretched out onto the floor like he likes to do on offense. And he's going to be forced to be in some uncomfortable situations and guard larger or guard, you could say, bigger guards in the sense whenever certain matchups don't maybe fit. And I think that's one thing that that might kind of deter teams and like maybe hurt his draft stock a bit is just trying to force him to the outside and have him play on the outside and deal with those uh, bigger guards. And cause I feel like he will be put on those, some ma- matchups every now and then. You know, that, you know, that's, that's a great point. Um, I think going into the combine and um, the workouts, a lot of teams did worry about that. Um, I have heard though, that common has been having great workouts. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they're putting him through, as many footwork tests tests as possible, um, but that yeah, you know that is a great point. I think teams are also going to look at his lack of uh, post scoring ability. You know, in, at FSU mm-hmm. we saw, um, you know, he can hit the fadeaway. He can do. Uh, he can obviously rebound the ball and just put it up and you know get the put ins there right under the basket. But you don't really see him. Uh, have many like he doesn't really have a go-to post move yeah uh, he really doesn't utilize the post hook uh he's he often does you know that spot up mid-range j mm-hmm. but i think teams are going to look when it, whenever they do whoever does draft him they're going to be looking to, to obviously develop his footwork um his post moves and with every big man they can they can always work on their ball handling 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's one thing that kind of separated, like what you said about the post move. That's one thing that separated Kevin Gelly and Kumaji in terms of their moves and all that down low. Kumaji you knew every time he would try and back the guy down low and then either go with the hook shot down low or just try and work in for an alley-oop somehow, some way. So that's one thing. You could never really predict what Kevin Gelly was going to do down lows. And that, that was what was really interesting about him. And moving forward to where he like could be slotted to being drafted, I'm, I've been looking at CBS for some of the draft stuff and all that, and they have him right now going as the 22nd overall pick to Boston. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on maybe is Boston the right spot for him? Is there somewhere else that could maybe use his talents a bit more to the best of his to the best of their ability, I guess? Yeah, I actually was going to say Boston is a spot that I was looking for him to go, um, mm-hmm. especially with the recent news that just came out about Al Horford uh, most likely signing elsewhere. So mm-hmm. right now the Celtics, if you look at their roster, they have uh, Williams out of Texas A&M from last year. Um, and that's about it. And then they have Aaron Baines on the uh, big man side of things. And then you look at that roster, and it's a little weak. Um, I could definitely see Kevin Gelly being placed in there, and the Celtics would definitely do a great job in um, giving him time uh, to just work with the team. He's not going to – you know, that's not a team where he's going to get thrown into the fire right away, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, I think Kevin Gelly could do that if he went to a team like the, uh, you know, like the Memphis potentially – Mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, he has to play right away. And, you know, it's interesting to think, you know, what team he could go to. Obviously, I, another team I was thinking, the Dallas Mavericks have an interesting situation, you know, with really? Porzingis. Yeah, I was um, going to say, they got a, they're, it seems like they already have a lot of length already. I don't know how much more they could really add on to that. Yeah, the, he would definitely be slotted into the four there. So I don't know if the if Dallas would jump on that. Um, but in terms of just um, developing, I could see Dallas be a spot. The only thing is, you know, how much more is Fiondu going to develop? He's already 20, almost 22. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's kind of like a buddy healed in a sense where he, uh, you know, his, he's, he's a bit older than the rest of his draft class. And that's one thing that's been held back on Buddy Heald for the past few years. You know, he's, he had a great season this past season. And, you know, people still don't go, give him the recognition just because he's, you know, 26 and the rest of his draft class is like 23. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. – it's, And, the, yeah – it's an interesting dynamic Mm -hmm. and i yeah i like i think dallas isn't that's an interesting choice i mean i don't i don't know how that would really work out i think here looking at their draft picks they have the 37th pick just the 37th pick in this this year's draft another place that i think he could possibly go to and i don't know if you would agree with this or maybe not really like it but i think the spurs the spurs have the 19th 28th and 49th overall pick and I think that could be an interesting spot for him to land. They, they could use him maybe on the outside and maybe and obviously down low as well. But I feel like they could he could be used there pretty well. And Pop could obviously help further develop his game as he's helped a lot of people with that. You know that's that's a good point. Um, 
just trying to think off the top of my head. I know they have obviously they have Aldridge uh, and Portal. I think that's how you say his name. The guy from uh, Jakob. Yeah, yeah Jakob he, Portal. He played on the Blazers a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, and he was in, he was involved in the Kawhi trade this past yeah, year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why. Um, yep. They have Pirtle. They have. I mean, they have Rudy Gay, who's listed as a forward. They have. I mean, I'm just looking through their roster right now. They have obviously Lamarcus Aldridge, Marco Bellinelli, and some other and a bunch of other guys, but. I think he could be used well there. I think he could actually make an impact. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a system-based, you know, offense and defensive scheme there that pops running, obviously. I think that would Mm -hmm. be a great fit for him. I feel like Calvin is the type of guy that needs um, or would do better in a very, you know, a strict system like Popovich's you know, more so than just an offensive free-for-all that we see, you know, Mm -hmm. with some of these other teams. You know, like, you know, the Spurs, they're going to always – they're not, you know, going to do the old ISO one-on-one every other possession. They're actually going to run an offense almost every, you know, time up the court. That's something that I feel like Kamengeli would definitely benefit from. So, yeah, I think that's Mm -hmm. a great point. Yeah, and then I have one last place for him to maybe go. This is maybe a long shot. I have no idea, but quite possibly Golden State. I mean, they have the 28th pick overall, and that's kind of that range where a lot of people are saying he'll go. They're going to lose. They, they, at least looking at them this finals, they looked like they needed some depth down low or they needed some better talent down low because – there's some guys like Derebko and Looney. Looney, I mean, Looney didn't play awful, but Derebko didn't really wasn't really existent the whole playoff. Really wasn't existent the whole finals. I know he didn't get as much playing time, but I think he could possibly make an impact there, especially with the the talent that he does bring with his shooting ability. Kind of fits into that system there, and they're going to be on a downturn this next year. I guess you could say with Clay being out, maybe more or less than expected. Uh, Kevin Durant possibly leaving or he will probably won't be playing next year or very little next year with that Achilles injury. So I just want to get your thoughts on Golden State possibly for Kevin Gelly. Definitely. That would be a great uh, system for him to be in. I think uh, obviously with this past finals, they were really hurting at the uh, four and five. And, you know, Mm -hmm. one player that, you know, it's interesting the way he's developed or hasn't developed. Jordan Bell, a lot of people yeah. were really high on him out of Oregon a couple years back, especially when the Warriors got him because he fell in the draft. But he really hasn't developed at all. And, you know, now he's almost, what, 25. And, um, yeah, I can see – I think he probably only has one year left on his contract. Also, you know, the Warriors, it's like they kind of did a – uh a platoon at the uh, five this year, I guess, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that, since they had that the Cousins fiasco. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Looney played well for them. I think he's going to be, um, whenever his next contract's up, the Warriors will pay him. I think he was maybe the, one of their most underappreciated guys on that roster. Um you know, and even in the finals, I think he was playing with like a torn, like something in his shoulder. I think he he tore something there. But um, 
Not exactly sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at their roster, Damian Jones, uh, he didn't really play much this past season. He's going to be on – I doubt the Warriors would keep him on the roster for next season. Uh, and Looking at the mock drafts, I've seen, yeah, Bruno Fernando is also slotted to go to them. That's a center out of uh, Maryland. So if he does yeah. fall to the Warriors, I think they would – they would probably consider taking him. Um, the only question is, does he fall that far? Because they're at, what, the number 28? 28. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and that, yeah, that would be a considerable spot to fall to, considering one, pick, one mock draft has him going at 22nd. So six picks is a lot, and there's a lot of possibilities for him where, for where he can go to. But let's get on to now Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann... He really had a he really two years ago he really had his breakout year you could say once he kind of had his time to develop and kind of step into more of a leadership role and he really showed out in his junior season and he proved it and then he took a little bit of you could say a little bit of a step back this year I believe he averaged about a point less per game but he did average more rebounds and assists so that was considerably more impressive also that he could take that take his less scoring role and then kind of turn it around to helping the rest of his team do better. So I just want to get your thoughts on man, see where we're going or see where he could be going and just the rest of the, just the rest of his draft stock. Yeah. Man's a guy that, you know, he's very unselfish at Florida state, always had his teammates involved. Um, obviously very athletically gifted, you know, in the tournament, there are a few, amazing dunks by him uh, that just makes you, you know, surprised to see. Uh, You know, he's a guy, it's interesting the way he developed over his career because you look at it, he barely shot the three at all, Mm -hmm. um, his first three seasons. And then finally, uh, he developed some some sort of a jump shot there at the end. And he shot uh, almost 40% from three, which, you know, that was a good sight to see. And that really changed his game. You know, even though he averaged less um, points-wise for each game, he did have that three in his back pocket. And I think that helped the FSU offense a lot there. Because then, you know, now Terrence Mann's not just a threat to drive to the basket and get a lay-in. He also can shoot. And so now they have to worry about him on the perimeter and what he can do inside as well. And man's a guy that he's a ferocious finisher. Uh, he's mm-hmm. great around the basket. Yeah, that's probably one of his best, if not the best, ability that he has. A uh, few criticisms of him. I feel like he is a little bit too unselfish at times. Uh, almost, you know... I don't know, just watching him throughout his career, he sometimes he has a tendency to just uh, fall back and just try to not be like the head. I don't know. He, I just felt like sometimes he would kind of fall back and just try to let his teammates uh, get a shot up or get a share of the ball, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, I, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I can see where you're coming from on that. He did – I mean, he did start. He did have to kind of play in Bacon and Isaac Shadow for a bit there. So I mean, 
it's interesting to see how he's been transitioned more into that leadership role. And he did, he did step up in some regards. So it's cool to see him kind of be, become a bigger, become a man in that sense and see how he's developed there. But I think what you're saying, obviously his strength, obviously is the best is his best strength is driving to the lane and finishing. And he does do a lot of the time where I noticed where he would drive into the lane and you would see the majority of the team or you'd see the majority of the opposing defense crash and then he would pass it out to the uh, wing or someone like that. So that's where a lot of his obviously assists would come from and his unselfish nature obviously is. But I think one of his only other problems that I could really see going into next year could be maybe his ball handling. I mean, he didn't – he never – he he handled the ball a fair amount, but majority of the time obviously that wasn't his job really to be the point guard in the sense. So he would mainly just stay out to the wings and wait for the play to come to him. So, I mean, it would be interesting to see how he could develop in more in ball handling skills. For sure, for sure, yep. Yeah. I, I was going to point that out myself. Um, mm-hmm. You got no, you know, you got, mm-hmm. Yep, go ahead. No, you all you. Okay. Um, one thing with these two guys that, that are both I've seen uh, throughout this past year, they both interview really well. And the, I, that's one thing I've read. Um, they are do, having great interviews with teams, and that's going to really help them uh, put them in, you know, that much up more above the their counterparts. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just two great guys to interview and talk to, which, you know, that's I feel like that goes underappreciated. You know, Kevin Gelly's a very well-spoken individual. Same with man. And when you talk to them, you realize that they are actually – they do care um, – about what's going on, and they're very serious about, you know, their craft. Um, and in, in rega- regards to the ball handling, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say his ball handling is bad. I'd say it's more on the average side. So, I mean, you can always improve ball handling unless you're Kyrie Irving or, you know, <laughs> Steph Curry. Um, so, yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. And – let's get into about where he could possibly land in this draft. And right now CBS in their mock draft has him going as the last pick in the draft, which is the 60th overall. The NBA only does two rounds, 30 picks per round. So they have him going to Sacramento, which would have, which is given to them by the bucks from a trade. So I don't know how you feel about maybe Sacramento or any other place that he could land. You know, with, these second round picks, it's kind of a crapshoot on where they're going to go. Cause all mm-hmm. the, mo, no, normally these second round picks, they just get stashed in the G league and, you know, you just hope they develop into something. Mm-hmm. So um, in regards to roster, I really feel like we can't evaluate um, which roster would be best for him because he really, I, I doubt he plays in the NBA next season. I see him definitely going into the G League. Um, but I do think he'll be drafted. And if you think about the Kings, they have, uh, they have Heald, they have Bogdanovich. Um, they're, I don't know. I, I feel like it's tough to kind of think about roster needs with these second-round picks because they always – it's more of a, just a draft and stash type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can see where you're coming from on that. I have, obviously I'm not the most well-versed in the NBA and the draft. So 
that makes that makes a good amount of sense to me. So let's keep let's keep it moving then. Uh, getting into some of the other guys from FSU who will be available for the draft or available to be signed as a free agent if they don't. Phil Kofer. I mean, the guy was a workout workhorse all four years at FSU. Stayed for a fifth year as a redshirt senior. Got hurt, dealt with injury, still played through, and still was a, a major factor for this team in terms of leadership. I don't know if you – I know he did have a – I believe he had about three workouts uh, this off, or in this month of June. So I don't know if you see him possibly getting picked up by anyone or given a chance in the summer league and then in the G League later on. Yeah, I definitely think a team will give him a chance in the summer league, and then hopefully he can make a roster and uh, make his way to the G League. If not, he definitely has a spot in Europe for him. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I can't think of a guy that's gone through more in his years at, in with Florida State basketball. I mean, you got to just feel, feel for the guy through all that he's been through. But, I, you know, with, you know, injuries, with injuries come, you know, questions about can he stay healthy. And that's one of the mm-hmm. things that – teams are going to have against him. He's been injured almost every year, except for, I guess, last year, um, when that was kind of like his breakout year. Yep. Um, but in terms of his play, I he can really do it all, in my opinion. He's got a fantastic fadeaway jumper that he – that was like mm-hmm. his go-to move in the post. Um, but he, he can also shoot the three. He can space the floor. Um I definitely – I don't know if he's going to get drafted. I would say he's going to get undrafted. He, he'll be signed uh, to the to a summer league squad, and then he's going to mm-hmm. have to just prove his play on the court. And that's the case for, you know, most of the guys we're going to talk about, unfortunately. Um, yeah, like – yeah. And sadly, that's the truth for Phil Kofer, even though he's been such a great guy for FSU and for the team as a whole there. And keeping it going on with Chris Kumaji, center for FSU, started every single game this past season. Was a workhorse, honestly, too. But his there are some concerns with him in terms of his play style. And you could say his footwork, like most big men, like we talked about Kevin Gelly, he does have some issues. He feels kind of a bit sluggish and slow every now and then when you watch him. And I don't know if you want to – or I don't know if you agree with this, but I kind of always thought of him as maybe a – Poor man's taco fall. <laughs> uh, <that> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely more so more so on the poor side of things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, you look at the height. Obviously, he's got uh, great height advantage over most of the players he's going to be against in the, you know the G League and potentially the NBA. Um, I. To be completely honest, I don't think he has a good shot to get past the G League if he does mm-hmm. get there. Uh, hopefully a summer league team will give him a shot. And most likely they will because you see a seven-foot-three guy, you know, that's hard to pass up. <laughs> yeah, it's, a pr- it's a pretty big body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's all we got really for these FSU guys. Let's go into some of the other kind of storylines around this NBA draft. One thing that, I don't know, was kind of brought up yesterday – I know we talked about it beforehand before we started recording. It kind of surprised me. I'm, 
I follow basketball a fair amount. I try to follow as much as I can. And Darius Garland from Vanderbilt. I saw a report yesterday saying that he could possibly be playing or possibly the Knicks are looking to draft him. And that kind of took me off guard for a second. And it surprised me because I didn't really know too much about Garland. Didn't hear too much about him coming into college, like the Zions of the world and all those guys. And he's all come out of nowhere all of a sudden, and he's now projected to go top five. So let's get, I'll take you through the stats for a quick second here. He played five games at Vanderbilt this season in his freshman year. He averaged 27.8 minutes a game, 16.2 points. But the teams that he played against, I'd say, weren't wasn't the top talent in the NCAA, considering he played against <laughs> Kent State, Liberty, Alcorn State, USC. That's the University of South Carolina, not, not or South, Southern California, not South Carolina, just for all those people out there. And then Winthrop. And it was kind of up and down and kind of a roller coaster for him. He scored two points in two minutes. I'm not going to knock him for that one. It's two points in two minutes against Kent State. And then he scored what kind of surprised me. He scored three points in 28 minutes against Alcorn State. So I don't know what your thoughts are on this guy. I don't know how surprised you are like myself, but what do you got on him? Um, You know, I don't know what I got on him. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> exactly. I feel like, you know, any, I mean, the funny thing is I get, I, I kind of place it more towards the fallout that is, that has been Vanderbilt basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, he was recruited by Duke, Indiana, Kentucky, UCLA, you know, all the blue bloods. Uh, he chose, I guess he chose to stay home with Vanderbilt. I assume, <laughs> I assume mm-hmm. he's from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is. He's from Brentwood, Tennessee. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He's a guy. It's interesting. I really don't. I, you know, I heard you say he claims he, that he's the best point guard in the draft. I would. There's mm-hmm. no way. There's no way that a player who scores two points or five points against Alcorn State is yep. better than Ja Morant. And John Morant is a guy that I'm very excited about. Um, I had the pleasure of watching him against, you know, in person against Marquette mm-hmm. and against uh, FSU. And he's a special player. And he's going to be – he's going to have a great uh, fit there in Memphis, especially now that Mike Conley is uh, going on to the Jazz. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Darius Garland – I would. I'm. I'm just glad the Celtics. Uh, that's my, the team that I personally follow in the NBA. I'm glad they're not up there uh, picking Garland. That's all mm-hmm. I have to say. And I think it would be so. It would just be so Knicks to take Garland with this, with the third pick in the draft. Right now, a lot of people would say they would take R.J. Barrett from Duke, who a lot of people, including myself, and I think you would agree with me on this that R.J. Barrett is a better guard, a better, I mean, better all-around player. I don't know about better guard considering he's kind of a small forward, but just a better all-around player than Garland from what we've seen. And we've seen him play against top talent. We've seen him show up in big moments and do big things. And, I mean, they have him also, they have, they have some other better players in front of him too that I would say. I would say Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech is a lot better than Darius Garland. 
I'd say DeAndre Hunter. I'd say I'd even say Kobe White. I'd say Kobe White. And even better. I would I would even put Hachimura above. Um, okay. I really like Hachimura, and he's okay. been falling in the draft. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, could you imagine if R.J. Barrett falls to uh, the Pelicans at four? <laughs> they they would be the winners of the draft by far. Oh my god! Yeah, that would be a godsend for them if they can end up with Barrett and Zion, and then along with the other Paul that they pulled from the Lakers in the in this or, or allegedly that could possibly still go down. There's still uh, it's still up in the air, I guess. Nothing's really set in stone until the ink is signed or the ink is put down on paper. But yeah, I, that they would the Pelicans would just. I don't know. The Pelicans would be the big winners from this draft. And there are still a lot of players you could say are better than, or at least from what we've seen this past year are better than Darius Garland. I don't know if we want to keep ripping on this guy anymore. We don't really, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm gonna, we might, we might want to delete this thing after the first couple of years of Garland's career, if it turns out the <laughs> way he thinks it's going to turn out, but yeah, it's true. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other storylines that you've been looking to this NBA draft, seeing where things, uh, big names or even small names could land that can make big impacts. Like I know one of your favorite players from the university in North Carolina, Nasir Little, he is projected to be taken by right now from CBS by the Miami heat, my Miami heat at number 13. So I think for them, at least the heat, that would be a pretty decent pick considering they need some guards after losing Dwayne Wade and just all around. They need guard play in general at the moment. Yep, that's true. Um, little, he had a little bit of a rough start to the year, but mm-hmm. as the year went on, he kind of found his role in Roy's offense and his uh, system there. I think he's a guy, he's got a ton of athleticism. Um, and, you know, I think the Heat, that would be a good spot for him. I'm not sure um, you'd have a better idea on who's on the Heat's roster. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like Little as a player. I think he ha- is a little bit overhyped. Uh, well, especially he was out of high school. Um, I'll see you there for a I second. think he was the chase. Yes. Uh-oh. May have lost Chase, but I mean, actually, I have no idea where he went. I'm on him. Oh, you're here? Oh, okay. Shoot, I thought I lost. Okay, it sounded like we lost you for a second. Uh, continue with your point. I don't know. You were starting to dig into Nasir Little. So okay. I, I um, lost you. So if you could just repeat that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where you lost me. Um, but I think, yeah, just dig into it. I'll just cut this. Okay. Uh, Nasir Little, he's a guy. He had a rough start at the beginning of his year. Um, I do think he was a little bit overhyped out of high school. Mm-hmm. But he found his spot in Roy's offense and his system there at North Carolina. And at 13, that's a good spot for him. I, I do like that pick for the Heat. Um, I think coming into this year, he was projected to be in, drafted in the top five. So if you look at it from the Heat standpoint, they're getting, you know, a player at the bottom of the lottery that had that has, you know, top three draft pick lottery p- potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Another guy I really like in this draft, Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga. Uh, you didn't really hear much about him, obviously, because he's out in Washington all the way uh, on the West Coast there. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I think he was a little he was undershadowed or uh Hachimuro overshadowed him. But he's a guy, he's really athletic, um, can dunk the ball. And over his years at Gonzaga, he really showed that he has the potential to be an NBA, uh, an, an elite NBA player. And I think any team in the uh, 15 through 25 range is going to be getting a great player in Clark. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. yeah, I was about to say, I really haven't heard the same kind of things that I've heard about Hachimura, and he's actually projected to go a bit higher than him right now in the NBA draft. So it, who knows where this is all going to turn or how this is all going to turn out and where things are going to go from here into the free agency. If some of these guys could be moved there. Yeah. We're still forgetting that there could be some players getting moved tonight. Like there was last season during the NBA draft and this could all turn around. This could all get turned on its head. Who knows? We could be seeing Darius Garland tearing it up for the Knicks next season. We could see the the dynamic duo of R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Lonzo Ball tearing it up in NOLA. Who knows where it's all going to end up. And I think that's all we got from our end over here. And I'll thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Talking Shop. Please subscribe to us on Google for pod, for listening to us on podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please also uh, follow us on Twitter at FSVU Sports. Chase, I don't know if you want to plug your Twitter quickly, that the people follow you. Yes, my Twitter is at CNevitt, that's N-E-V-I-T-T 33. Mm -hmm. And go follow Chase, he's a great follow. Follow myself at Gary Putnick, and that's all we got for you for this episode. We should be coming back to you soon. Maybe, who knows, it could be tomorrow or it could be in the next couple of days with some FSU baseball roundup stuff. Or we could be waiting on till FSU season is over. We don't know where that's going to end up either. Thank you all for tuning in, though, and we'll see you next time.